Here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. On today's episode, I catch up with the television legend that is Hayley Sproul and we chat about all things PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome. Haley talks about her journey to a diagnosis and then the journey to understanding the diagnosis, how she manages her symptoms, the importance of talking about your illness and how sometimes you just gotta laugh. I think Haley is one of the most kind and generous human beings on this planet and it was an absolute pleasure to interview her. I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say. There are some real gems in here. So, let's do it. Welcome to That's So Chronic. You've pushed the button. I've pushed the button. We're recording. Now, I've got a bio for you. you got a bio? Yes, I'm going to read it to you. Hope it's not too uncomfortable. No, I love hearing about myself. Okay, so you're an actor, comedian, musician script writer, TV presenter, marching girl. <laughs> You've won a bunch of awards for comedy and theatre. And, well, you're kind of everywhere on TV at the moment. I am, eh? Yeah. That, what a nice bio. Wait, there's more. Oh, my gosh. If people don't have TV and have no idea, you host New Zealand's Have You Been Paying Attention and co-host The Great Kiwi Bake Off. Yeah. You're also Mitch in TV3's Golden Boy, which has a new season coming out very soon, so make sure you check that out. You're a regular on Seven Days, Australia's Have You Been Paying Attention, Funny Girls, and Jono and Ben. Oh my gosh. And amongst all of that, I listened to a podcast with you with James Nokise. On oh, RNZ's yes. eating fried chicken in the shower. And you said that you talk to your mum every day. So I you're do. also an awesome person like that. <laughs> and you have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I do, which I also talk to. I, I have, anytime I have a platform, I feel like I'm quick to talk about PCOS. <laughs> so this is very appropriate. Yeah. I'm almost I, blushing with that. Um, did I miss anything? I don't think so. You even got marching in there. Yeah. I'm a Ken Follett uh, lover. Ken Follett, the author. Okay. <laughs> for, for you listeners, uh, we're in my lounge with my dense Ken Follett collection. But no, you covered everything. Amazing. So, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yes. What we're here to talk about today. I've got it and I hate it. <laughs> I'd love to know what your definition of... PCOS is because when I was researching it's really hard to find just a definition online yeah I do you know what I feel like my definition changes all the time it's sort of you come to understand what it is and mm-hmm. then you learn a new piece of information and then that changes everything so like when I got diagnosed I thought it was a hormonal condition and then you learn more about it and they're like, it's an Im- immune, what do you know, like an immuno... Like dis- autoimmune Yeah, kind thing. of a thing like that. And then you learn that it's actually 
um, related to insulin resistance, kind of like diabetes. Yeah. So the definition of it is so crazy, which is why it's so overwhelming for women when they find out what it is, because they're like, so what is yeah. it? And what does it all mean? For me, my <laughs> this is how I think mine works. And I feel like maybe my PCOS friends and experts might be listening, being like, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> so my body produces too much Oh, hang on. Hang on. See, it's so confusing. My body doesn't process insulin in the same way that a normal body does. So it kind of processes it similar to something like type 2 diabetes, say, or type 1 diabetes. And when it does that, it can't process all the insulin. So you release more and more and more and more of it. Okay. And then it turns into testosterone. And then so your ah. testosterone then creates things that are like um, anti-androgens, like hairiness, acne weight gain, loss of period, that kind of stuff. So it's all like, it's not, I thought it was, it's not actually really connected to the ovaries. It's not your ovaries that are causing this. The ovaries and the cyst on the ovaries is just sort of a symptom of something bigger than that. I feel like that was confusing. I mean, it is confusing. I think it's a confusing syndrome, isn't it? I mean, there's so many layers to it. And I was researching that, they think it's around 10% of New Zealand's population that menstruates yeah. has PCOS. Yeah, and the reason that they don't know exactly is because the, the way to diagnose polycystic ovarian syndrome is so varied. And I think they're getting more, as, as they're revealing that it's more and more common now, they're, they're kind of agreeing on a way to do it. So the way that I understand it is there's three different areas of symptoms and you have to have two out of the three in order to be diagnosed one of those is cysts on the ovaries but you don't have to have cysts on the ovaries to have polycystic ovarian syndrome the other is um anti-androgens like hairiness acne all the things i said before and then the other one is a lack of period so your period is either irregular or missing Okay. Yeah, so that was the clue for me when I got diagnosed was I was quite, I think I was like 13 when I got my first period and then it didn't come back for maybe like 18 months. Wow. And we were like, oh, okay, that's weird. And then it came back and then it was like six months and it was always really interrupted. And my mother, when I was like 16, 17 and like clearly having sex, (laughs) she, she was constantly like, she's pregnant, she's pregnant, she's pregnant. I've taken so many pregnancy tests of my life. Oh my God. Um, and love then, a good mum. Love a great. good mum. <laughs> I was never pregnant. Um, and then, yeah, it was kind of just sort of, I don't know, something that I thought my, my body did differently. And also I was like a hairy girl growing up. And then I went to university and a friend of mine who I lived with who had PCOS was like, you have this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you weren't diagnosed back when you were a teenager. Nope. Nah. Didn't know anything about didn't it. Didn't know anything about it. I think maybe one person might have brought it up and I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, I didn't put two and two together. And then I went, once my friend was like, I think this is what you've got. I went and got an internal scan where they have a look at your ovaries and yeah, they're covered in cysts. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then, yeah, you had the two. I've got the, the trifecta. Oh, you got all no three. No periods. I'm hairy and I had acne <laughs> and yeah. Wow. That's the other one. Hairy, no periods, and 
Period. No period. Cyst on your ovaries. Cyst on my ovaries. Yes. Yeah. See, I'm listening. I You're understand. listening. There you go. It's confusing. There's so much information. And so had you ever heard of PCOS before this I don't think all came so. about? I don't think so. No one in think... your family has it? Not diagnosed. I okay. mean, that's the thing. Like, I think because... I feel like like we're part of a generation where we're just a lot we're just getting to know our bodies a lot more mm-hmm. and we're getting you know like when things are wrong we go and get them checked out and we talk about them. So if it was in my family which I think PCOS can be a hereditary thing. Yeah, I read that it's not necessarily genetic yes. but it can run in yes. families. Yeah. And when I think about my mom I'm like maybe maybe. Yeah, but no like no one no no known PCOS ladies in my family and I didn't know much about it at all and when I got diagnosed I didn't know much about it then and I didn't get told much about it then yeah so what was that diagnosis like so the diagnosis was I went and got the scan went to the doctor said this is what we suspect they put me through to the hospital to get the scan and they go there's the cysts in your ovaries that's why you don't get a period we'll put you on the pill so that you can have like you know a bleed yeah um, which is, yeah. Which is annoying. Like, why do we want that? I don't want that. Yeah. The, the lack of periods is yeah. the one good takeaway with PCOS and you're like giving it back to me. Um, and then that was it. Like there's no information. There was no connection between, um, that diagnosis and say any of my other symptoms like, um, unwanted body hair or bad skin or like stubborn weight gain. I had no idea that that was at all related until like, Honestly, like eight years later. Oh, wow. So it was essentially just the periods mm-hmm. is all anyone was talking about yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, that was it. Because I think that comes from a medical point of view where they're going, they think about a lack of period is really uh, what the, the area of concern there is fertility. Yes. Yeah, And that's like not a concern to me. And, and especially, the, I think I was like 20 when this happened. Mm. And the, the, one, the thing they said to me was like, you know, we'll put you on the pill so that you, you're keeping your uterus bloody rotating or whatever. Uh, but um, if That's you want... That's an image, eh? I know. I know, you're like, please, I don't want that. <laughs> um, but if you want to have a baby, you want to do it soon. I'm 20 at this point. Wow. I'm 30 now and I don't have a baby and I don't want one. And it was like, oh my gosh. So I, I'm now 20. I have to make this decision, you know, in the next few years because they're going with... With PCOS, there's all sorts of added complications, not just getting pregnant, but staying pregnant and Oh my God, when I was younger. 20, I didn't even know what I was going to have for dinner. No. Like, I'm not making decisions no. about whether I want to have a baby. I know. And imagine, I just think now, like imagine if I had of listened to that advice and forced something into my life that I actually don't even know if that's what I wanted or if I was like ready for something like that just because I was like oh I better do it now and it's not true like having learned so much more about it in the last decade I'm like there's ways you know and there's if that was something that I really really wanted there are many different avenues to try and make that happen absolutely that don't include getting pregnant at 20 when I don't want to be yeah after a diagnosis of PCOS like you're dealing with that as it is anyway yeah don't even and I don't even understand what it is and knowing that's what was so what's so disappointing when you start to really learn about the impacts of PCOS and and so many other elements of your life start to make sense you're like oh that's why Mm. I've always suffered with this or that's why this is this way and it's like why wasn't I told that yeah where was that information? Why did I have to get, get, you know, investigate it myself for so many years? So immediately after diagnosis, how were you feeling about this? 
I think it was more like a confirmation because again, like at the time I didn't realize that that diagnosis was going to have any other kind of impact on my life in the way that I've now discovered that it's like for me, PCOS is a day-to-day management and it's about diet and supplements and exercise and lifestyle like none of that was like when I was diagnosed, I didn't know that that was going to have to be something that I would have to consider for my rest, for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I think at the time I did, I wasn't feeling too overwhelmed by it because I didn't actually understand the gravity of the diagnosis. It was only later when like things started to go wrong and then I could tie it back to PCOS mm-hmm. and I realized like, oh, I really hate having it. And so they offered you to go on the pit, this pill. Mm-hmm. Did you start that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went on the pill and I went off the pill for like quite a few years. Uh, and then I met my partner. So I was on the pill, you know, quite consistently. And then I went on one pill that made me really psycho. Oh, no. Like, oh, I was all over the show. It was so, so bad. Like mood swings. Yes. Yeah. Crying. Oh screaming rage just so out of control of any emotion it was horrendous and you're like I'm an actor I'm dramatic but I'm not this dramatic I was like yeah I've never been a meek woman but holy moly it was out of control and I sort of recognized it and I was like oh I've got to get off this yeah and I thought oh it's been such a long time that I've been on contraception contraception maybe I'll just give my body a break and we'll see what happens and what happened was I got acne, like, oh, like out of nowhere. And how old were you at this time? Um, I just moved to Auckland. So this was only um, a couple of years ago, really, yeah. like three years ago. And it was so bad. It was just unstoppable and sore. And I just started working in television and it was a nightmare. Uh, so I put up with that for like, I don't know, nearly a year. And then I was like, I'm going back on the pill. But I went on a different one, a better one, a, a non-government uh, subsidized one, yes. which is fine. It's fine. Um, and then I went on Accutane to like nip yeah. that in the bud. And it's kind of stayed away, which is good. Not saying don't come off the pill because I think it's different for everyone. But my experience was my body shed itself. Yeah. And yeah. like... I guess a bit of a side note, but for me as well, at the moment, what I'm going through is Pharmac in New Zealand have run out of the pill that I'm on because of the virus. So COVID-19, awesome. Thank you very much. So now I've had to try go on another one, which is also stressful. But for me, the pill works. Like whatever one I'm on, however, you know, the amount of hormones, whatever's going on, like it works so good for me and I don't want to mess that up. Yeah, (laughs) I'm the same. I've found the one and it's really expensive but I would pay five times as much to just not to just be on something that it's like you take the pill and it feels like the only side effect of it is that I'm not going to get pregnant yeah you know and it doesn't like stuff with my head it doesn't keeps my skin at bay like it doesn't make me gain or lose weight it's just kind of doing nothing and that's what I wanted if you don't mind me asking how much is this pill for you $180 for a three-month supply okay so it's not, yeah. you know... It's not the end of the world. It's not $5, no. but, you know, it's not $1,000. So you moved up to Auckland. You went off the pill. Acne started happening. Oh, yeah. Is this when you were inspired to start researching more about PCOS? Yeah, it is indeed. I just went... I didn't 
even know that acne was in my life. I didn't even know that it was being suppressed all these years by the contraceptive pill. And I didn't know that it was a symptom of PCOS that I suffered from at all. I always had just normal breakouty skin, you know? So that was kind of like, oh, wow, like what else is happening inside my body because of PCOS that I'm unaware of because I've been masking the symptoms for all these years. So I went and I just did all this research and that's where I learned about insulin resistance and actually what that is and how it relates to PCOS and how you can manage it because it's incurable. You're never going to get rid of it, but it's about management. And I made this documentary called Cystic Sisters and I on just... On TVNZ. On TVNZ. And I um, interviewed a bunch of experts and just like informed myself about this thing so I could kind of understand... Um, what was in my in my control and what was out of my control, um, and that was really like that was very self driven. I've got a great doctor now, but I didn't so much when I was first doing this, and you know they just didn't know anything, and they just would they just sort of go, oh, you know, it's... and like that's okay. You don't know what you don't know, but it's really important that doctors, GPs, just tell you that they don't know so you can go to someone who does know totally I know do you know what's really amazing is I actually went and saw my doctor last week and she was like oh, I was just thinking of you because now every time she gets someone who comes in with PCOS she sends them my doco oh. because it's just about like this doco was like how do you make learning more about your condition um more approachable and like less daunting and from like a comedic point of view so that it's not so overwhelming when I was watching this documentary, the most overwhelming thing that really stood out for me was when I was watching, I was like, I know her. Yeah. I know her. Like, I know her as well. Yeah. I knew nearly everyone that you were interviewing. And I had no idea that so many people were just living with PCOS. Neither did I. I think I posted something on my Facebook page and I was like, do any of my friends have PCOS? And everyone was like, yes, 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 yeah. yes. And I was like, oh my gosh. Just, why don't we talk why don't we talk about this? Yeah, I can't believe that it's not a thing that when you're growing up and you get your period that this isn't talked about. I know. And especially I didn't even know that it was uh, sort of about, you know, one out of 10 women for for so long and then when you find out you're like how is there so little education around this? How not blaming cuz like you say like with doctors they have to know a little bit about everything. Absolutely. But how is there, yeah, just not better resource out there? And that's when, yeah, you get out and you go and find your own resources. And now I feel like I've got this little kitty of experts, websites, tools, people that I rely on for my information now. And I feel super informed about it, even though I struggle to give you an actual <laughs> definition of what it is. So who did you go and see? What type of appointments were you getting when you were in researching more about it? I went to, I first went to a naturopath, uh, just because that was something I'd never done before. I'm very much a fix-it person, and I really, you know, like, when I got acne, I went on Accutane, yeah. and I burnt it out, and it's never coming back. Accutane is the one that gives you really chapped lips. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not called Accutane anymore, it's like Oritane or something-tane. Yeah. Um, but isotretinoin is the drug, and it is so violent it can like kind of stuff up your body for life but my skin is so amazing so <laughs> yeah again it's so hard because I've, I've talked about this with PCOS people before where I've said I really I would never sit here and recommend to someone who had PCOS acne to go on it because it's so it's really brutal and yeah. like not amazing but it worked for me um, but the appointments yes I went to like a naturopath because I hadn't done that 
and I tried the natural approach, which was, I got a lot of skills from there um, in terms of like supplementation and all that kind of stuff and a little bit about diet. Um, but for me, I'm just really impatient. And the thing with supplements is you have to build up those yeah. vitamins and minerals over like years until mm. you might see the effects of zinc, for, you know, for yeah. example. Uh, so I sort of did a bit of that. And then I went and saw a nutritionist and that was one of the best things. Like that was absolutely amazing because I think, and I hate to say this because sometimes it's really hard to hear, but for me, the the thing that influences my PCOS the most is food. Okay. So if I, and, it, and that's because, and not all PCOS is insulin mm. resistant, but uh, because I am insulin resistant with my PCOS, food plays such a big part. Things like, oh, I hate to say it, sugar, carbohydrate, mm-hmm. alcohol, all that yum, delicious yeah. stuff. <laughs> and the easy food. <laughs> all the easy food. It just wreaks havoc in my body. So the moment I realized that and then maybe spent a year getting over that because I love to eat crappy food um, and changed my diet, my whole like body changed and my whole... Uh, the management of my symptoms changed and I've just felt better. I'm not an angel. I'm probably like 50-50 in -hmm. my life in terms of doing that. Um, But yeah, that was, a nutritionist was such a great uh, tool for me. And now I just see, I mean, I've seen everyone, endocrinologists and gynecologists and nutritionists, naturopaths, doctors. I think it's about getting like, a good coverage of information and then taking I don't follow one methodology I don't follow like I'm going full medicine or I'm going full natural I kind of do a little bit of everything yeah the combination is the where combination. the magic happens yeah did you have to pay for these appointments or were they yeah. like referrals no, you yeah you gotta pay for them yeah and they're expensive like yeah. there's no other way around it and that's what's really hard is like things that have worked for me like um, understanding a diet through doing a program through nutritionist or um, you know naturopaths are so expensive and then you pay for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of supplements yeah. like it's all it all is money based which is why I'm going the things that probably work the most for me like food they're things that you can manage on a budget for sure like yeah. restricting crappy foods is 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 within a lot of different budgets but like that's the the thing is like no one wants to hear that I love drinking wine yeah. I'm gonna drink wine later today and I'll drink wine tomorrow as well but yeah. it's just it's all in moderation it's right? in moderation which oh I can hear myself and I hate it because I'm like <laughs> people say this to me all the time and I'm just like okay yeah but I just want to live my life but yeah it's about like sometimes I'll have little resets and I let myself have a big, like a big break and have a month where I just sort of do whatever I want but then I've got to kind of get back into the flow of looking after myself and going to the gym and blah, blah, blah. And I guess during lockdown, it's hard to it's just so stay hard. on this particular diet or this it's lifestyle so when we can't even go out and leave the house or whatever. I know. And you're constantly thinking about like everything that you want to do to be a good person. You then have to put it through this PCOS lens. This is mm. what I find. Like when I was going to the gym and I like wasn't losing any weight and I was busting my ass like you know doing like Les Mills grit every day and this 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 and then I learned about um what's your um, cortisol like your cortisol levels your stress hormones that play that has an impact on insulin and therefore your testosterone and therefore your PCOS symptoms yeah so 
like when you start to learn going like if you've got PCOS and you want to lose weight because weight's a really big issue it's not my biggest issue but for a lot of PCOS women it's a struggle to lose weight it's almost impossible but that your mind then goes like, well, get to the gym. You know, people always say, yeah. eat less and move more. And you're like, that does not work for PCOS. Yeah. Because all you're doing is like stressing out your body. So things like running, they were just making my body so angry and stressed oh, wow. and like irritated. Like you've got to walk. You've got to like lift weights. Don't don't go to like two grit classes every day. Like you don't need to be doing that. I love that image of like seeing life through a PCOS lens. Yeah. Actually, and just implementing things that will assist with that as well. Yeah. It's so boring sometimes because yeah. you're like, I just want to do something without having to think about it. But if you, my thing is like my body is a really good indicator if I'm I'm going too far down the wrong path. If I'm just being really unkind for a long period of time, my body is going to stop me and tell me. So what does that look like when it stops you and tells you? What are your um, symptoms? I'll get really bloated. My skin will go bad. Um, yeah, I'll get really like crampy and my moods will go crazy. I'll put on weight like unstoppably. Like you, ca- it's just everywhere. And it's a really kind of, I always say it's like, I always feel pcos fat, like which is, you know, I don't want to use the term fat like that, but it's it's like a really inflamed weight. It's not a good, healthy weight gain. It's like really fast and irritated. Um, yeah, it just all kind of goes out yeah, up the wazoo. And then the moment I reset, it's not about losing weight, but it's about, um, yeah, just kind of my body calms down and everything just sort of, I don't know, clicks back into place. And, and so all of this just sounds like it's it's quite huge for you to go through this. And I know that you've probably learned so much now, so you know how to manage PCOS. But h- how does this affect your mental health? Have you ever just wanted to quit and go, oh, well, I've got PCOS. This yeah. is just what my life is like now. Yeah, all the time. Okay. All the time. And it's hard because it's like, there's research that go that is that says that um, people with PCOS are maybe more inclined to have things like anxiety and depression. I definitely have anxiety, um, but it's hard to know whether that's part of the syndrome or whether it, the anxiety comes from managing a PCOS life. Yeah. Which I sometimes think it's that thing for me, which is just yeah, it can be exhausting, and you can feel. I mean, look on the scale of uh, chronic illnesses. PCOS is not that bad and I, and I, that's like hard to say because it sometimes controls my life but I'm able-bodied you know I'm really grateful for all the health that I do have but yeah there are definitely days where you're going I just want to not think about it and and I think for some other women you know if they because I'm not uh, I'm not ruling it out but I don't want to have a baby yet um, but I can imagine for people that do want that, I mean, that's just devastating. It's a real, it's a real, it's not impossible at all to have a baby with PCOS, but it's, it can be difficult. And I think that would just be really devastating. But yeah, sometimes you're just like, give me a break. Yeah. In Cystic Sisters, the documentary, Cystic Sisters, I've got a bit of a lisp at the moment. No, it's hard. So eh? It's hard. At the time when I was doing the doco, I Need had Invisalign. Yeah, and I was like, Cystic Sisters, like, I couldn't say it at all. I had to keep ripping out my Invisalign. Yeah. But in that, didn't you interview a friend of yours that was, you know, diagnosed with PCOS, told she would be infertile now, never have a baby, went off the pill within like a week, 
Bam. Ooh, baby. Yes, baby. <laughs> yeah, and that friend, Anna, she was the friend who told me, I think you've got PCOS. Oh, yeah. So that was a nice like full circle moment. But yeah, like and that's the thing. Same thing happened with her sister. Same thing happens with so many people. This idea of using PCOS as contraception, don't do it. That's that's really annoying that yeah. people are just being told that they're infertile once they get diagnosed. I think it's, it's really irresponsible, to be honest. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it, we should know that it may be more difficult, but to tell people it's going to be impossible. I mean, it just leads to like either unwanted pregnancies yeah. or like, I don't know, devastation. Yeah. Yeah. I've never relied. I've never been like, I'll just come off the pill. be fine. You know, yeah. I've got PCOS. I'm, I'm all good. Mick minute. Yeah. Family of six. <laughs> No, thank you. In amongst all of this research on, into PCOS, you were establishing a career mm-hmm. as a performer and a really successful performer at that. Does or did PCOS ever affect your work? Definitely. I mean, it's sort of t- in two ways, I think. One was like a lot of my... Um, uh, what are the things? You know, things that I have to deal with for PCOS are things like anti-androgens, like... Anti-androgens, or are they androgens? Androgens. Anti-androgens are the things that you When I was researching, it. it said a hormonal disorder where the body produces more an- androgen. Yeah, and- androgens are the things that make you bad. Anti-androgens are the things that help you with that. So I've misused it. Anyway, but my things are things like acne and hairiness and like when you're on television yeah Yeah. that really impacts your job like I when my acne went insane it was like half my face big red you know those like boily thumping headachey pimples oh here's a description for you yeah um I had just uh started working on Jono and Ben and was doing sketches all the time and then I got a segment on their show and you always, and they had the most amazing makeup artists and I absolutely loved them and they were so kind and generous, but you always would get in the chair and be like, I'm so sorry. And just feel absolutely mortified every time. Then you start on seven days and you get in a new makeup artist. You're like, I'm so sorry. And they never care, but you know, it's that feeling of feeling so embarrassed. And I remember I was doing comedy festival and I had this show uh, called Just a Phase and I I'd done the show and I had this all this makeup on and then you sweat because it was a really fast-paced show. So I knew that my skin looked bad at the end of the show. What can you do? And I remember I bowed and all the blood rushed to my acne and the pain. I like nearly passed out and I stood up. I was like, I'm done with this. And the next day was when I went and was like, put me on Accutane. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, I think that, yeah, so there's that element of it, which is like the appearance side of it. You're constantly trying to, keep up appearances and you're constantly battling uh, that side of things and because at the end of the day if you're presenting a tv show yeah there's not much you can do like there's lights on you you can't say yeah it's being broadcast to televisions around new zealand and you know tvs are big now yeah (laughs) oh my god hd yeah they're seeing every hair and pimple you've got i mean it's and you can't say "I, i just can't do it today my skin's too bad You've just got to keep trucking and you've just got to do it. Yeah. Thank God for makeup artists. Yeah. You know, they just did an amazing job. Never, I did this one um, sketch on Funny Girls when my skin was really bad and it was me and Chris Parker and we had to make out heaps and he kept <laughs> he kept pashing off my foundation and revealing my acne. And so they got um, Dana, the makeup artist, to stay on set the whole thing. And after every scene, every take, she'd be like, <laughs> 
cover, 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 cover. <laughs> go again, cover, cover, cover. I was like, oh my God, Chris, please. you're too passionate. Oh my God. I know, stop pashing my yeah. acne, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but the other side of it is like, it's it's kind of been for me something that the moment I discovered more about it, I was like, I just want to talk about this all the time. And like, in going, if I'm someone who people uh, see on telly or something and you have a chance to be like, I'm, I'm super flawed and I've got this thing and it's like something really common and people should be talking about it and not feel embarrassed. That kind of like, now I feel I manage it more because it's a sense of, I don't know, like I've taken the shame away from having it now just through talking about it so much. It's affected your career positively. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and because you are so open about it, I really didn't know anything about PCOS until you started talking about it, and yeah. that's how I learned what I know now. What comes with that when you start opening yourself up online? Do you hmm. do people reach out? How do you navigate this? It's kind of amazing because this is this speaks, and I'm this is not an anti-male statement, but when you get on TV regularly enough. I get now a lot of messages and predominantly from men and they're predominantly um, sexually based and rude Ugh, and it's exhausting. And you, that's, this is when I'm doing my work, when I'm doing, have you been paying attention or seven days? People message you be like, those tits. And you're like, oh my God. You're like, no. Yeah. But when I made the PCOS podcast, the only messages I got were from women who were all like, thank you. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, like this helps me so much. And I saw this and I cried because I feel like, you know, I'm not alone. Wow. And it was, so I was like, I didn't even know that that kind of response was out there in a way because I'm so used to just going like, oh God, this dude or this. Yeah. Like avoiding your DMs. I know. Being like this creepy dude is just trying to have a look at my feet or something. <laughs> and then, And then just these messages. And I screenshot all of them because it's just something that I want to remember. And it's not me being like, I'm a hero for making, you know, talking about it. But it's just the main message I get is like, oh, this helped me to understand it a little bit better or to understand that it's actually okay and that we can talk about it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. So yeah. that's like the best part for me. I'm like, oh, just makes me want to make more and talk about it more and go, Hey ladies, like it's okay and here are some resources and you can start here. Because my doco doesn't actually uh, tell them what they can do really. It's just like a, a kind of a small smattering of information to then encourage people to go and research for themselves. But it's a good starting point, you know? A absolutely. Yeah. And it's on YouTube if you want to listen to it. I'll link it in the show notes so you can find it. It is just really a collection of amazing women yeah, just some just opinions. chatting yeah. about something that they live with every day. Yeah, yeah. It's 2020, absolute nightmare. It's mm. a shitstorm of a year, to be frank. How does it fit into your life and it look now? Now, I'm sort of at peace with it now. I think information is power, and that's definitely been the way for me with PCOS. Now they understand it, I feel I can, yeah, just live with it and accept it. There's nothing I can do about it in terms of getting rid of it. It was given to me, whatever, here it is. It fits into my life in terms of like, I don't know, I just, it's, I've just been doing it for so long now in terms of understanding how to manage it that it, it starts to feel normal. The first couple of years of, of maybe w watching what you eat a bit and changing the way you exercise and, 
and prioritizing things like relaxing like I just it's so tedious and now it's kind of like I just it's just part of my life I, s- I feel a lot more at ease with it and because I talk about it so much and I can find it quite funny sometimes I mean a woman with a mustache it's funny yeah you know we gotta laugh I it's- was gonna say I've got MS and it's really funny yeah and you're a really funny person so how what is the funniest part about PCOS I always think it's funny when I go to beauty places right like a beautician <laughs> And sometimes, like, I used to go to this beautiful Indian woman, um, and she (laughs) would always be, like, fucking waxing off my sideburns and lasering my upper lip. She was like, are you Indian? I was like, no. She was like, your hair is so thick and dark. I was like, thank you. (laughs) I'll take that as a compliment. I've got PCOS. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's just... It's a, it's you have to laugh at it because otherwise you cry, you yeah. know. And then and I don't know. Some of the things are funny. I'm like forever like sitting in chairs now, apologizing for my sideburns, <laughs> the way that they can connect from my like hairline to my crotch. <laughs> Which I imagine you just didn't think when you were growing up, going to drama school. This is what you would end up doing. No. You start working on projects, just apologizing. Yeah, for sorry your about the old sideburns, there, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Also, it's funny when like you go to a place and get some threading and you're like, oh, just just um, the upper lip. And they're like, well, do you want us to do sort of all the whole thing? <laughs> the whole thing? You're like, no, don't. It's like, it's like a. <laughs> no, yeah. I just live with that now. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you start, you won't have to stop. So let's just like focus on the upper lip and then just find a place to stop and like make a mark. <laughs> Leave the rest of it. Yeah. You've got to make jokes about these things. Because otherwise, I just think they get a bit overwhelming. Did you try a whole bunch of hair removal methods? Oh, yeah. I've tried them all. I've had so much laser. And it doesn't really work because your your body is constantly still producing all that crap. So that doesn't work so much. I thread, wax, bleach, uh, depilatory creams, shaving, plucking, epilations. Yeah. Everything. I used to have these little... Uh, mitts that used to sort of like sand off your hair. Oh, wow. I've done everything. Now, I leave most of it. Okay. I don't know. I sort of... It has settled down a lot. I love that I'm just talking about my hairy No, I love it. That's what we're here for. (laughs) But I... I, It has definitely settled down. Like, that's one of the symptoms. Like, when I... It's like, if you eat pizza for too much, Hayley, your moustache is going to get out of control. Like, it's that (laughs) tangible to me now. So it's definitely under control. And I just sort of, I don't know, deal with the face. The rest of it's fine. I've been with my partner for 10 years. He doesn't give a shit. Has it affected your relationship at all? Uh, Probably more the hormonal response. Like the mood swings has been, you know, that when you're living with someone, that's like hard for them. And sometimes like my thoughts are irrational and that's probably hard. But no, not really. I mean, like it's like Aaron understands it quite a lot because I talk about it so much and it's just such a part of my life. So I don't let it affect my relationship. I think maybe if I was like dating or, um, yeah, not with someone for so long, you'd I'd still be kind of managing how to navigate that world of like, hey, do you want to come over? You're like, yeah, give me two hours to shave yeah. from the neck down. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a while. Now I'm like, yeah, you'll find it in there. <laughs> you'll... You'll find you'll I'm find just got your these images of just like pushing <laughs> the trees with aside the, with a machete. <laughs> cha, cha, cha. Oh my god! Yeah, 
so I guess to conclude, I've learned so much. I've had so much fun researching you as well because my research entailed just watching Golden Boys. Love that. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> if you could go back and you could tell 16-year-old Hayley Sproul or 20-year-old Hayley Sproul something, a piece of advice, what would you say? Oh, oh I've always, I always think about this. I'd say so much. I feel like just, oh my God, this is going to be the most like holistic, um, peaceful, happy thing, but like let go of the shame because I had so much shame from like a young age about my body and the way that it was different to others till, till, you know, very recently. And that's like too long. That's too long to have shame in your life. And I'm like, I'm awesome. I don't need to be like carrying that crap around with me. So I think that would be the thing. And if I had, you know, a daughter one day, I'd just just constantly be normalizing, which I think is great. We do normalize things like body hair now or different types of bodies or different types of skin. So yeah, that would be my thing. Let go of the shame. It doesn't matter. And actually no one sees it as much as you see it yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. The moment you sit in a chair and you say, I'm sorry about my sideburns, they're going to look at your sideburns. Otherwise, they're not going to even give a crap, you know? I always think that like whenever I'm feeling down about something going on with my body and I'm like, wait, I don't walk around down, like I don't walk down the street and go, oh my God, that girl has a mustache. Yeah. Like I, I go, oh my God, like someone like me or if yes. you even noticed it at all, like I'm never negative about any of these never. things. Never. When has anyone ever, have you ever got, come face to face with another woman and been like, whoa, you need to get to the laser Yeah, <laughs> like no one says that. No. Or or like, this is my thing when like with PCOS and like the, the ease of weight gain with it. When have I ever looked at anyone who was a couple of sizes bigger than I am and been like, mm, geez, like never. I'm never. always like, your body is banging. Yeah. So like, you've got to start thinking about your own body like that because, oh my yeah. God, life is too short. And then you're going to get to 50 and be like, why did I hate myself for so long? Absolutely. Life is way too short. We know that now. 2020. <laughs> Literally anything could happen. So just be nice to your body. It feels like PCOS is like the least of my worries at the moment as well, which is kind of great, right? You're just like, oh my God, push it aside because there is the world is on fire. The, the world is literally on fire and it's taking everything down with it. It is. Put it in the trash, I reckon. 2020. In yeah. the trash. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I've loved it. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of That's So Chronic. Like I said at the beginning, we are sharing personal stories and are not advocating for any specific type of treatment. While I will always try to publish correct information, I am still learning and understand that the world of medicine is constantly changing. If you want to reach out, you can find me at That's So Chronic on Instagram. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please press subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, and tell everyone you know. That helps me get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope.